Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are known as the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pointed out last week that the book of Romans is referred to as a fifth gospel, the gospel of grace. As we are going through the book of Romans, we have a lot of important things to cover. I want you to come with your hearts ready to hear what the Lord has to say. I want you to come with your minds ready to to think it through because the book of Romans is a book of theology. The book of Romans is a book of doctrinal teaching. And sometime when we come to doctrine, sometimes we, you know, can fall asleep or fall off or think that it's too high for us to understand when in fact there's nothing in God's word that's too difficult to understand. Because we have the Holy Spirit. I was sharing with a brother just on Friday how he was talking to me about my teaching in the book of Revelation. He does not attend this church. He heard it on the radio and bought the CD series. And he says, oh, well, you you know, I I never thought I could understand the book of Revelation. I said, why not? He said, because I never did. I said, you're a Christian? Yeah. You have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, then you can understand any book of the Bible. God's not going to give you a book that you can't understand. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's ridiculous. We can understand anything. In the book of Romans, although it is theological, although it is doctrinal, we can understand this book. Now, I want to remind you from last week, the book of Romans was written by Paul, you know that, from the city of Corinth on his third missionary journey in the winter of A.D. 56-57. We talked about that last time. And when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he had been in ministry for 20 years. The book of Romans, as we talked about, is a book about God. Everything that Paul touches in this letter, he relates it to God. God is the most important word in the book of Romans, occurring 153 times. Scholars consider the book of Romans Paul's magnus opus. That means his greatest work. And the book of Romans is a great work and has affected the lives of some great leaders in church history, as we talked about last week, Augustine and John Wesley and Martin Luther. It was Martin Luther who said of the book of Romans, this epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest of gospel and is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word by word, by heart, but occupy themselves with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or pondered too much. The more it is dealt with, the more precious 
it becomes. I like that. Well, last week we covered the introduction, as I mentioned, and we learned that Paul, if you're taking notes, you write this down. We learned that Paul was a man who knew his master. Verse one, Paul said, I am a bond servant or a slave of Jesus Christ. He knew his master. Paul not only was a man who knew his master, but he was also a man who knew his mission. He was called to be an apostle. Verse one, we talked about last week. Not only did he know his master and he knew his mission, but then finally, Paul was a man who knew his message as he was called and separated to preach the gospel of God. Remember, we talked about the gospel of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. Again, if you missed any of the teachings, you can pick it up in the bookstore from last week. Well, this morning, we pick up in Romans chapter 1, and uh, why don't we pick up in verse 7, where we kind of, sort of, left off last week. Romans chapter 1, we'll pick up in verse 7. If you're there, say amen. amen. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, underline that, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, Paul says, I thank my God, notice that, through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. And making request, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware or be ignorant, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but I was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I, in verse 16, why don't you read it with me, would you? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. Faith. Give me your attention, if you will. In verse 7, again, that's a pretty remarkable statement. Paul says, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God. Listen, did you know? We just sang it. I am God's beloved. Did you know? If you trusted in Jesus... If you have given your heart to Jesus Christ and asked for his forgiveness and believed in him, God loves you. You are beloved of God. 
That's hard to understand. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't love myself. Sometimes I, you know, I look at my life and look at myself and I don't love myself. But the Bible's very clear. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are beloved of God. God loves you. You know, it was David who said, I believe it's right around Psalm 139. David said, who am I that you should be mindful of me? Even David had a hard time believing, understanding that God was mindful of him and that God loved him. We have a hard time understanding because God is so awesome, because God is so much bigger than we are. God is so much greater than we are. God seems so outside of anything that we could ever even comprehend that we would wonder, why would he be mindful of us? Why would God even care? Well, that's the very thing that makes him God. Because the Bible says God is what? Love. And because God is love, he loves you. You are his beloved. Now, Christian, listen. God is love. Don't forget to love. Christian, don't forget to love. We want to be like Jesus. Want to be just like Jesus. Well, if you want to be just like Jesus, don't forget to love. Because God is love. And you are most like God when you are being loving. Amen? Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's calling them the beloved of God. They are loved of God. And then he goes on in verse 7. Look at it again. Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about this just a bit last week. Grace and peace are typical Pauline greetings. Grace and peace. Grace is a Greek greeting. Peace is a Jewish greeting. Shalom, peace. And as you study Paul's letters, we talked about it last week, you always see them in that order. Somebody once called them Siamese twins. You always see them in that order. Grace first and then peace. Why? Because, listen, if you try to have peace without experiencing God's grace, you will never have peace. If you try to have peace without experiencing God's grace, you will always come up with the law. You'll always come up with legalism. You'll always come up with working for your salvation. You'll always find yourself having to huff and puff and blow that sin down. Amen. Versus, hey, God's grace first. And from God's grace, we experience God's peace. Now, the Bible talks about two types of peace. The Bible talks about the peace with God, and the Bible talks about the peace of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God, give me your attention. Peace with God simply is this. Before you were a Christian, the Bible says we were enemies with God. We were at odds with God. We were not good with God before we became a Christian. 
When you become a Christian and you give your life and your heart to Jesus Christ, that brings you into fellowship and now you're reconciled with God and thus you've made your peace with God. Peace with God is almost like waving the, red, uh, the white flag. Well, not the red flag, the white flag. <laughs> What's wa- waving the red flag? I'm dead? I don't know. <laughs> waving the white flag is, is, is saying I, I, I surrender and, and there's peace now. So you make your peace with God when you become a Christian. Then the Bible talks about, are you still listening? Then the Bible talks about the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 and the peace, note this, of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You see, the peace of God takes you a step further into God's blessing. This is a peace that passes understanding. Now, when it says a peace that passes understanding, it doesn't mean that you don't know what's going on. It means this peace is more valuable than knowledge. Isn't that interesting? The peace that we have is more valuable than knowledge because sometimes you don't really have knowledge about your situation, but you have peace. Why? Because of Jesus. It's the peace of God. If you see the difference, say, I see the difference. Thank you. And it's important to see the difference. The peace of God, which passes understanding. Now understand this, peace with God and peace from God are both peace that God gives. He's the one that gives it. God is the source of true peace. Only God, listen close, can give you true peace. Only God. You know, some people say, oh, if I only... I can only get married. I'd have peace. I'm like, no, you won't. I mean that in the best sense. You understand? Married folks say amen. Amen. All right, you know what I mean. You know, we think, oh, if I could only, you know, if I could only do this. If I could only get married. You know, some people want to get married so bad. When in fact, listen, sometimes, and, I, and I, again, I mean this in the best sense, I love being married. I've been married for 24 years, hallelujah. And, and, and I love being married. I should go on record to say that, especially if my wife is sitting right in front of me. And uh, I, I am, I've been married a long time. But you know what? Listen, single folks, here's a word for you. Sometime it's better if you're not married. How so? Because you can serve God the way you want to. You can go where you want to go, do what you want to do. You ain't got to check in with nobody. Amen. You know, when you're married, it's like, honey, would you mind if I go here? Would you mind if I spend it? Look, when you're single, you ain't got to ask yourself. <laughs> Not unless you're crazy. <laughs> Self? Can I go? Oh, yeah. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. No, you need Prozac. <laughs> but it's Okay. And we got to find contentment in Christ. And we got to find peace in Christ. And I would submit to you, you're not ready to be married until you have the peace of God. What you going to give to the relationship? 
bringing turmoil into a relationship. You don't have peace with God. Some folk need to learn to be married to God before they learn to be married to somebody else. That's all I'm going to say about that. Only God can give true peace. Only Jesus makes true peace possible. Amen, saints? Very true. Notice in verse 8, Paul says, and I love verse 8, look at it again. I thank my God through Jesus for you all. I like that. Would you underline my God? Underline that, highlight it, and remember it. My God. Why, Rodney? Because listen, Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is a relationship with a person. It's not a religion. You know, it was Martin Luther who said Christianity is uniquely the religion of the possessive pronoun. Christianity, Martin Luther said, is the religion of the possessive pronoun. My God. Christianity, listen close, is a relationship with a person, not a religion. You know... You can be a Buddhist and not know Buddha. You can be a follower of Confucius and not know Confucius. You can follow Muhammad and not know Muhammad, but you can't be a Christian and not know Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I have heard it and I'm, quite frankly, sick of hearing it. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You believe the Bible? Well, no, not everything. Well, you believe in Jesus, God? Well, not really. But, but you're a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Listen, you cannot be a Christian if you don't believe in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Somebody help me, please. You cannot be a Christian if you do not believe in the B-I-B-L-E. And I'm not talking about believing parts of it because, oh, well, I like that, but I don't like this, and I don't like that, but, oh, I love that. That's not Christianity. That's a a buffet of religion. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God, if you do not believe in the inerrancy of the word of God, listen, you cannot be a Christian. And not only that, but why would you want to be a Christian and you don't even trust the book that you're supposed to be following? Why would you want to be a Christian? And by the way, who are you? that you get to pick and choose what it is you like and what you don't like. I know I'm going to get in trouble. Y'all pray for me. Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I'm nobody. I don't get to pick and choose what I want to believe, what I don't want to believe, what I want to obey, what I don't want to obey. Listen, if you're going to be a Christian, then you have to follow Jesus. Thus, by definition, to be a Christian means to be an imitator of Christ. That's the definition. And you can't be a Christian if you don't want to imitate Jesus. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe in Jesus. Why? Because this Christian thing is about relationship. It's not about religion. Religion is what you do to please God. Relationship is about what he's done to bless you. 
and to bring you into fellowship with him. And now you get to know him and he gets to know you and you read the Bible because this is God talking to you and, and, and you pray because that's you talking to him. That's a relationship. You can't be a Christian and not know Christ. He, Paul says, I know Christ. I thank my God. It was Thomas in John chapter 14 who said, my Lord and my God. That's a relationship, folks. It's not a religion. Being a Christian is about knowing Jesus Christ. Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I note this. Would you note this about this church in Rome, that it was their faith that was spoken of and known throughout the world. It wasn't their church size. It wasn't their wealth. It wasn't their busyness. It was their steadfast faith. Paul says, God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit. And God knows that I pray for you and I make mention of you always in my prayers. God knows how much you pray. God knows how much you don't pray. Paul says, God knows how much I pray for you guys in Rome. Mind you, Paul wrote this letter. He had not ever been to this church. Three years before he ever got there. And he wrote to them and says, I pray for you often. I make mention of you always in my prayers. And notice Paul goes on to say, my prayer is that I would be able to come to you. Did you note this? By any means. Look at verse 10. He says, by any means, I want to come to you. Paul says, I want to get to you guys by any means. Mind you again, he had not been there. This letter was written three years before he actually got there. And Paul says, I want to get there by any means. And I don't think Paul got there the way Paul thought he was going to get there. I think Paul probably thought I'm going to get there on a first class ticket on Carnival Cruise Line. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. Were you with us in the book of Acts? Oh, you know that it didn't happen that way. God says, OK, Paul, you want to get there? Well, first, I want you to stay in Caesarea for another year. And then you're going to get on board a ship with some guys headed to Rome. And most of these guys are going to become lion food in the Roman arenas. Some of them are going to be gladiators. And while you're traveling to Rome, Paul, you're going to hit a Eurocliden, a storm. And then you're going to find yourself shipwrecked. And then you're going to wash up on the beach. And you're going to try to start a fire and a snake's going to bite you. And Paul was thinking, I want to get there, but I wasn't thinking to get there like I got there. Yeah. Paul says, by any means, God said, are you sure? <laughs> and we say that, don't we? Oh, God, I want to be a woman of God by any means. Oh, I want to be a man of God by any means. I want to be a youth person on fire for Jesus by any means. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, somebody once said, be careful what you ask for because you what? Just might get it. Oh, by any means, God, I, we don't even know what we're praying. We don't even know what we're saying. We don't know. 
God, I, you know, I just, whatever it takes, I just want to be more like you. Jesus said, are you sure? <laughs> oh, yes, I am sure. Oh, yes. Okay, here's some trials for you. Well, I wasn't kind of thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking more blessings. I wasn't kind of thinking this whole trial thing. Paul says, by any means, I want to get to you. And then in verse 14 in your Bibles, notice he goes on to say, I am a debtor. I love that word. I am a debtor. That literally means to be bound by duty. I am a debtor. Paul says, I am bound by duty or I am obligated to preach the gospel. Why? Because I think, listen, I think Paul would say I'm a debtor or bound by duty because, listen, in Acts chapter 9, when Paul got saved on the road to Damascus, there truly was a change in his life. There truly was a change. And it was in that conversion and in that time of change that Paul fully understood what Jesus had done for his life. Paul knew where he had come from and he knew that he had been delivered from a life of religiosity. And Paul now says, I am a debtor. I have a debt to pay, a debt that I owe. And the debt is not to pay money. The debt is to preach the gospel. It was in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and Paul says, I am compelled to preach. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Paul was a debtor to preach the gospel. He had to preach the gospel. And then he said, not only am I a debtor, but he also said, now I am ready. Notice that in your Bibles. I am ready. Notice that Paul goes on to say, listen, I'm not only a debtor, but I'm ready to preach the gospel. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.